Pod save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm Zoe Forsey, Mirror Online Features Editor, and I'm your host for this week's show. So today we're going to learn a little bit more about Sophie, the Countess of Wessex. In recent months, we've seen a lot more of Prince Edward's wife as she stepped in to fill some of the gaps left by other senior members of the royal family. She's a really popular member of the family and she's extremely close with the Queen and she's good pals with the Duchess of Cambridge. But her stepping more into the spotlight has meant that we've also had the opportunity to learn a lot more about her charity work. So today I'm joined by Monica Smith and Olivia Kiono, who are from the Sight Loss Charity, the Vision Foundation. So hello and welcome. Hello, hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. So to introduce you guys properly, so Olivia, you're the charity's CEO. And Monica, you work at the charity, but you also had the opportunity to join Sophie on a tandem bike ride earlier this year. Yes, I did. Very exciting. <laughs> now, sharing a bike with a member of the royal family isn't something many people can say. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that uh, later on. But firstly, Olivia, you're right to tell us a little bit more about Sophie's role at the charity and how she got involved. Absolutely. So Sophie um, uh, is our royal patron. She got involved in 2003, taking over a royal patronage from the Queen Mother, actually, at that point. And she's since then been an extraordinary champion, shining kind of this really phenomenal spotlight on sight loss issues. She's also got a personal connection. And you may be aware that her daughter, Lady Louise Windsor, um, had a, a sight issue, which required some operations in her childhood. So I think that's probably also brought sight impairment to life for the Countess. And I guess the last piece is that she, so she's been involved with us, but she's been involved with national and other um, international sight loss charities. She's also a real champion of disability inclusion. And um, a couple of years ago spoke just so brilliantly and beautifully about inclusion as part of a, a big campaign called the Valuable 500, which is all about getting disabled people into employment. So this is clearly a cause that's very close to her heart. So can you just tell us briefly what uh, what does a royal patronage is? What does that mean? It varies so much. So um, some royal patronage will, will mean that, you know, you might have um, a, an attendance once every few years at, at a special event. And sometimes I think when a cause is really really close to a person's heart, they become even more involved. So for us, the Countess of Wessex has done everything from, um, you know, hosting royal uh, galas and gala dinners through to um, much more kind of down to earth, opening our high street shops. We have a chain of charity shops. So she's been involved in opening our shops. But the part that it's clear she enjoys the most is actually connecting um, with, with the front line, connecting with the cause. So during lockdown, we had the opportunity to get together with some visually impaired people and her just in a really intimate conversation on Zoom, talking about the impact of lockdown for blind people. And I think what came through then, as always, with the Countess of Wessex was her extraordinary kind of humanity and genuine interest in, in people. Um, so that was very powerful. I mean, one of the maybe most unusual things that she has done for us as royal patron because it was the first ever for any royal was that she sat for a live sculpting event. So a sculpted, <laughs> um, sculpted her in clay. And I was so um, ignorant about the process. I was like, will she be, will she be touching the Countess's face? Will the face <laughs> be clay? How does this work? 
Um, but no, she just taking a series of measurements and then forming a clay bust of the Countess. And we did that again under lockdown, but we did it live for, to an audience, which was fantastic. Um, and that, what's so special about that is while she's been the champion of sight loss charities, most of those organizations, users and clients will never have seen her. So what we've done is produced a piece of tactile art. So we've got um, the clay bust was turned into a bronze bust, which we're actually unveiling next month. But it will be the first time that so many people who have connected with the Countess will be able to actually know a bit more about what she looks like. So I'm really excited to have that piece of tactile accessible art made. That's such a good idea. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, something so different for a member of the royal family. So how long did that take? How long does it take to kind of get all the measurements and things? And thankfully, the, well, the person didn't have to feel her face. Well, usually, a, you know, sculpting clay bust would take a very long time. The sculptress in question is a woman, um, Lady Petchy or Frances Siegelman, who does this. So she does these kind of high speed live um, uh, sculpting events and so she managed to do it Monica might jump in and correct me but I believe she did it in about an hour and a half having taken some taken some photos done a lot of sketching and some initial measurements she was then able to do this piece at that speed um, which is phenomenal and the piece is absolutely beautiful Oh, wow. That sounds brilliant. So it sounds like she's really up for getting involved in more, not, you know, she's not just kind of a traditional, you know, planting a tree, cutting a ribbon thing. She's getting really involved in the different day-to-day -day stuff. Definitely. And, and more. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Monica. No, I was going to say, it's, it sounds like she likes to do un unusual, unusual things like the sculpture, like the tandem event. It's, it's something a little bit different to just cutting a ribbon. So, uh, so that's how we try, we try to get her involved more. Definitely. So whenever we liaise with the Countess's team, they are keen for us to really think about how, first of all, how um, we can bring her closer to the work itself, but also how her unique spotlight can kind of move our, um, our objectives forwards. So turning then to um, the tandem bike ride that we did with <laughs> A bit more of an unusual one. We were quite nervous. It was in July and we asked the Countess to, um, first of all, she was going to come to essentially a project visit to learn about tandem cycling. A lot of blind and partially sighted people um, hugely enjoy cycling. And uh, the way it works is that a sighted uh, pilot um, steers, but the power comes from a visually impaired stoker. Um, and so that event was going to be quite light touch because it was locked down. We thought we could only have six people. We then had a report that we needed to launch um, called See My Skills, uh, which is all about sight loss unemployment. And we kind of brought the two together by saying, look, this is really about what can happen when sighted and blind people work in tandem uh, to break the cycle of sight loss unemployment and those stats are, uh, are shocking. Um, and the Countess was all for the puns and the, the connection, <laughs> um, but ultimately was also really, really game to get on the back of a bike. And that's exactly the kind of thing that she she wants to be doing. Um, and of course, Monica was was the power behind her on that. On that. <laughs> yeah, so Monica, how did you get involved? So um, as um, you explained earlier, I do actually work for the Vision Foundation as the Centenary Appeal Manager. We've got this appeal this year um, to raise a million pounds to, to, to get people um, like myself into employment because only one out of every 10 blind people 
is in work. So for every sort of one of me that, that, that has been working throughout my life, there's another nine blind people who don't work. So, um, so obviously I work for the charity, but I'm also an avid tandem rider. I've been riding a tandem now for the last uh, 20 years, um, which it's you know, the, the first time I got on a tandem. I just couldn't believe the, the, the freedom that, that it gives you to be out and about, to smell the fresh air, to, to feel the wind in your face and just to, 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 to get out and enjoy the countryside. So um, when um, we decided that we were going to have this tandem event, um, I sort of sort of stuck my hand up very, very high and said, Please, <laughs> I'd love to do this. I've got my own tandem. Um, so um, luckily, um, I was chosen to, to actually ride the tandem with, with the Countess. So what we did is that we um, asked her if she'd like a sort of one to one lesson because um, um, riding a tandem is it's it's fairly, it's fairly straightforward but obviously she, she uh, we, you know we didn't want her to feel nervous or or um, apprehensive so we actually um, I took my tandem to Bagshot Park um, the oh, day wow. before the event <laughs> so which was very exciting so I've actually been there and it was um, I was a bit apprehensive thinking oh my goodness I'm going to a royal venue and um, how, how nerve-wracking, but it was so relaxed. It was a beautiful sunny morning. We arrived, we took the tandem out of the car and um, sort of set it up and we're, we're sort of just chatting there in, in, in the drive. And then um, the Countess um, sort of joined us and um, it was just like a, a friend had joined us and she she was chatting with us. And then I sort of, we just sort of gave her a few little um, uh, instructions, um, basic instructions on tandem riding. One is that you, the, the the pilot and the stoker both have to have their sort of right foot at ten to two on the pedal, so you can sort of go one two three. Um, which uh, so so she got on. Um, she did seem a little bit apprehensive, um, so I tried to do my best to to sort of calm, calm her down. Um, we had a bit of a false start to begin with, which was no no surprise because most yeah. people do have a little, you know, because it, it's apparently it's it's a very different feeling. So um, Countess was sort of standing up, and and you, you can't really do that because obviously as soon as I put my power from the back, it sort of un unbalanced the bike. So we explained that, and and then, and then the second time we did one to three go, off we went, and uh, and we did a little tour of of the grounds. Um, as I said, the first round she was she was a, she was a bit nervous, but we 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 went round and and I uh, was just sort of giving her pointers. Uh, I was trying I was trying to sort of make her feel relaxed, which I think worked. And then we got back to the starting point, and she was like, "Phew!" <laughs> and uh, and I thought, "Oh, I, th I think it would be I think for her sake it would be a lot better if she had another another go." Um, so I persuaded her to have another go. <laughs> Um, it was much, much better. She was very relaxed. We went round and she sort of even did some audio description of, of the grounds, of the arboretum, of, of, the, uh, of the gardens. Oh, and, lovely. Uh, so you got, um, got a, bit of a bit of a tour. I, I got a bit of a tour, a bit of an audio description tour. Obviously, when I'm cycling, I can't see anything so because I'm totally blind. But she was telling me about the arboretum and the trees and, and the beautiful gardens and, uh, and that sort of thing. And then, and then um, sort of we finished and... and um, we were explaining to her a little bit about how the event would go, and and um, and you know, she com completely relaxed um, so much so that the next day when we actually um, got to Bushy Park, unfortunately the heavens opened just as uh, as she arrived in her car, and we just thought, oh no! So we got an umbrella and we brought her under our gazebo, and um, and so she, she was chatting with, with some of the other uh, tandem riders, the other visually impaired tandem riders, because it was um, we had about six or seven tandems. 
showing that you know working in tandem uh, means that people can can do things like sport and and uh, employment. Um, and then and then luckily the, um, the 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 rain stopped and the sun came out and uh, and we all got in the line in the tandem line. Um, myself and the t- uh, the counters in the front and uh, the sort of six or seven tandems behind. And we had an e- extremely um, smooth start. We just put our, our feet on the pedals and off we went. And uh, she was much more relaxed and we went around the park and she was describing various things that were happening um, around the place. Um, And uh, there was only one instant where she suddenly said, oh my goodness. And I said, oh no, no, don't worry about describing. And she said, no, 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 there's some massive stags with big horns. And uh, I'm a bit scared about going past them. I don't know what to do. And uh, I, I, at that stage, obviously, I, I couldn't see how enormous these things were, but uh, <laughs> we managed to, uh, we, we, we um, cycled past them and uh, she breathed a sigh of relief. And, <laughs> and we did the, 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 whole, um, the whole cycle. And, and, and I think, you know, she was, she was very relaxed and it was really like cycling with a friend. I mean, I, d- I hadn't realized that, you know, it would be so, so relaxed. Um, um, so, so, yeah. Sorry, oh, I've talked a fantastic. lot. <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely fine. It sounds like it was it was really it sounds like it was good fun. And it sounds like she did really well. I don't think I would be able to I've never I've never been on a tandem bike, but I don't think I'd have been successful to do it on what go to she managed to do it. No, completely. As I said, a lot of people yeah. have this sort of trepidation about. Oh my goodness, it's it's a bit strange. You've got somebody on the back, but um, but no, she did, she did fantastically well. Even though she said that she was uh, nervous inside, she, she she did very well, and um, she very she very much engaged with with the other riders, with the other visually impaired riders, and myself, um, understanding that the, the link between tandem riding and employment. Because obviously she was she was the sighted rider, I was the visually impaired rider. But together we managed to to, to cycle, and it's the same with employment. If if the, the if sighted people just um, open their eyes, as it were, to to just the small adaptions that are needed to employ a blind partially sighted person, then um, people can work together and ensure that blind partially sighted people can actually work. And she was completely completely engaged with the cause, completely understood um, the, uh, the the meaning behind the the, the tandem event and, and, and the actual true um, purpose of the event. Fantastic. And so, so who do you normally cycle with? I've got um, a variety of, of front riders. I've got a couple of friends um, that live local to me um, who, who I ride with and <clears throat> my partner. And I occasionally get my sort of... Um, young 20 year old um uh, uh children to to ride with me when they're not engaged in some other um, <laughs> uh, you know screen activity but um, <laughs> so so yeah I, I i tend to try and do 30 miles each weekend on, on a bike ride oh wow oh that's incredible so, yeah and i've done a, i've done a few charity bike rides as well um, I've cycled the Nile um, for for a charity, and I've taken part in a couple of. Um, oh, I also did the London. Um, what, uh, uh, sorry, London um, bike ride. I can't remember what it's called. It's it's a, it's a big event that happens every August. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I've 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 done that as well. It's a it's a hundred miles in a day. It's. Oh, wow, um, blimey! That's a. <laughs> that, that that's was a probably, real that was my hardest one because it was uh, it was a very hot day. 
but it was amazing because we just cycled right through the middle of London from Stratford right through London and out through Surrey and round and finished up at the, at the, at the, at the Mall. Um, and uh, as I said, it was 100 miles in a day. Um, and that was that was hard work, but good fun. But so, yeah, I, I, cycling is one of my my big sports. I think I feel like, and Monica, you'll 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 be able to share more. But it was really interesting on the on the practice day. I think um, part of what what made uh, the countess kind of nervous was that she felt really really responsible. So she felt responsible for Monica, yeah. and very quickly realised that Monica was the confident, experienced person, and actually it was the other way around. And I think that that was a really powerful kind of revelation of um, you know who who's kind of jointly looking after whom and all of that and how it's really just teamwork um so it, it, when she came back that, after that first ride it was so fascinating she we said do you want to go again and she said you know absolutely no, not. no way <laughs> <laughs> and then and monica sort of very gently said well maybe we should just do one more and thank goodness because she was completely different after the yeah. second ride um and it, and it was similar. I was really l- lucky to join in the big tandem the next day, albeit despite the, some rain, some frightening rain, with one of our one of our trustees, who's also um, a blind man, lost his sight completely eight years ago. Um, our amazing trustee, Dr. Amit Patel, and I, I was similar. I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to be responsible for Amit, and he was the power. I mean, I had so much fun. I've never gone so fast on a bike. <laughs> Didn't really have to try. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's really, if anyone of any of your listeners, um, ever get the opportunity to ride a, a tandem with a visually impaired person, or if they are visually impaired to get on a tandem with a sighted person, it's, there's not much actually that compares. It's a really amazing experience. Philip, so you guys have obviously both had the opportunity to, to work with, work closely with Sophie, both at events like the ride where there are cameras and press and sometimes well wishes, but you also get to spend time with her behind the scenes in kind of, you know, the normal real life of her doing charity work with you. So just ask both of you separately then, how did you, how did you find her, you know, how does she compare when the cameras aren't there to when she's got all eyes on her? Olivia, I don't know if you want to go first. Sure. To be honest, I don't think she's very different. I was just mm-hmm. reflecting, Monica. Mm-hmm. We- so when when she had to take off, there was a there was a pack of, of paparazzi, you know, at that point, the starting point. So obviously they were all desperate for her to topple over, um, but she didn't. And she she got round. And when when we got to the end, again the pack was back with the addition of a few video cameras. So she was she knew she was being filmed and photographed. And she must have stood up. My guess is 15, 20 minutes, Monica, just chatting, chatting to Monica, chatting to the other visually impaired people. I don't think she was editing, you know, what she was saying. She was incredibly natural. And she even um, had a wonderful moment of really teasing our head of comms, who somebody <laughs> handed our head of communications a little tiny GoPro. So there were all these huge professional cameras and then our head of comms with the world's smallest camera. <laughs> and, she, um, and she said, what? She, mid-sentence, she spotted him and said, what? what happened there? How come that's the world's tiniest camera? And he said something like, you know, they don't trust me with a grown-up camera. And, and she, so she teased him a bit. Then she turned to Monica, who she suddenly was conscious was no longer involved in the conversation because Monica couldn't see the camera, took Monica's hand and said, his camera 
is this big, you know, and, and painted it on your hand. And I actually drew drew the drew the, the the size of the camera on my hand. I mean, and that that's obviously come completely from my heart. Nobody, I'm, I'm sure, nobody said to her, "This is what you need to do for to, you know to describe something to, to a blind, partially sighted person." And she, it just came straight from her heart. So, so um, yeah, it, was, I, it just yeah, it felt very didn't it? It felt very human and normal, oh, com- com- natural. completely human, very natural. Um, and, and I think it's uh, stuff like that that really shows her her understanding of what you guys do and the charity and you know blindness generally you know making that connection and thinking about it on the spot to realize which i think is fantastic and just shows how as you said passionate she is about it definitely the i guess the only slight um difference i saw so when she said <laughs> so i can't really describe how heavy the rain was at one point <laughs> It was kind of, it was, you know, sheet rain and... Um, and blowing and, a gale as well. So at one point, about 15 minutes before her arrival was due, two of my colleagues were holding down our gazebo. I mean, it was crazy. And she had driven through that. So although it had lifted a bit by the time she arrived, she got out of the car and just then looked at me and said, you know, we, we can't, you know, we can't, <laughs> we can't do this ride in this rain. And so that was the only moment where I was like, okay. And and I and so I said, well, let's see, let's see what happens. And in that moment, she was obviously very concerned, but she turned it around. She walked, by the time she walked down to the gazebo to meet everyone, she was all smiles and it's all going to happen. So I guess there was just a, a little moment of like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> madness. This is madness. But yeah, she, she no, brushed that off. Because, yeah, cycling in the rain is not fun. And, and yeah, yeah, it, 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 just, it, yeah, it just wouldn't have been the same. So um Definitely, definitely. But you're, you are absolutely right, Zoe. She, I think, um, you know, she's worked with a huge number of charities for years and years and has met so many phenomenal Paralympians, spokespeople, you know, real champions from the sightless community. So I do think her, her understanding is, is kind of innate and quite instinctive. Um, but I think what she didn't realize was just how excluded people were and because she's had so much contact with blind and partially sighted people she realizes how how absurd and unnecessary that exclusion is but a lot of people don't so as monica said um 90 of people with the most severe sight loss are currently unemployed those are people of working age so our our back of the envelope uh, kind of calculation on that means that we've got about three hundred thousand people who are currently excluded from the workplace sitting at home their talents their potential wasted and um and as someone who works with a, quite a number of blind and partially sighted people and also answers to a number of blind and partially sighted people on my board of trustees um that that statistic is just so unacceptable to me and um and i think so those statistics are what we're really about we know that 90 percent of employers think that it would be difficult or very or impossible to employ a blind or partially sighted person and as an employer we know that it's both easy and advantageous so i think there's a huge gap between people's perceptions of what's possible and what's real and and to be honest i think what too many sighted people do when they ask you know we asked in fact we did we asked 2000 people if a blind person could do your job and 94% said no and I think what sighted people do is they sit there with their paper in front of them, their computer screen, they think about their commute, 
and they close their eyes and they go, could I do all of that if I closed my eyes? And obviously that's not the same at all. Humans are incredibly adaptable, um, amazingly flexible and agile and learn new ways of doing things as, as the pandemic has shown, learn so quickly. But if your assumption is, oh, it's just me with my eyes closed, you don't realize what's possible. In fact, you know, Monica, you could talk about, you know, all of the, the amazing equipment and tech and actually how easy it is to do your job. Yep. I mean, as I said, I've been uh, ever since, I mean, I went to university, did a degree, um, used um, something called a closed circuit television, which you put the book underneath and it comes out bigger on the screen. And then when in my 20s, I lost um, the rest of my residual vision and um, technology started to flourish at that stage. And um, I've got a speech package um, called JAWS, which um, reads everything out on the screen. So as I'm typing, it's it's reading everything out. And as I read and I just press the down arrow and it reads emails and I can, I mean, I've held a job, job down now for the last 15 years. Um, and it's it just, it's all it is is a bit of education for the general public for employers just to say you know don't 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 count us as you know unable to work we've got the skills and we're actually more adaptable we're more flexible we're more we do more problem solving because every day in life from getting out of bed till you go to bed that you, you've got to get around things you can't do things naturally um, and you have to find solutions around things from just simple things like i have my beans tins of beans on the left and my chopped tomatoes on the right so i don't muddle those up i mean just simple little solutions like that all the way yeah. through to so you know how to get to work how to commute on a, on a train and how to ask for assistance but it's 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 all doable and um as i've proved it david blunkett's proved it and most of my colleagues on the tandem i've approved it it is possible um and we just need to we need just just to get the message out there to employers that um you know please please don't dismiss um visually impaired talent because it, it's all solvable it's an, and it's an easy fix as well i mean you don't have to start building ramps or putting in lifts I mean, it's just buying equipment and, and making your premises, you know, um, VI friendly. It's so, so interesting. Um, yeah, it's so interesting to hear how much technology is out there. And as you said, I just don't think many people know about it. So mm. thank you so much for going over everything with us today. Um, the one th last thing then quickly. Uh, so if anyone wants to find out any more about the Vision Foundation, how, how do they do that? What's your website? So our website is visionfoundation.org.uk. Um, and we are, we're a hundred years old, but we're kind of the best kept secret. And actually we want to be much, much bigger than that. So, you know, we'd love people to visit the website, sign up for our newsletter. We don't get any government funding at all. So we have, we completely rely on the generosity of the public. So um, definitely visit the website. If you like what you see, think about contributing. And if you've got any um old clothes that no longer fit after lockdown either because uh <laughs> you've been too too much at home uh, and, and sitting around or because you've been too much in the gym um we've got a sea of charity shops as well across london so we're desperate for donations for those two fantastic lovely well thank you so much for joining me it was lovely to chat to you both great to speak thank with you, you. Thanks thank so you so much, much. And for our podcast listeners, and Anne and Russell are back next week with all the royal news that you've missed over the summer. Until then. Pod save the Queen!